the DuPont, the Leganes family was the epitome of the modern day conventional French household in their community. They owned a large house in the expensive part of Nantes, France. The four children attended local private schools where aristocratic families sent their children. Xavier Dupont de Leganes was an aristocrat with a direct lineage to French nobles dating back before the French Revolution in the 18th century. Xavier spent a lot of time away from home to manage his business ventures. His wife Agnes was a teacher at the local Catholic high school. When Xavier was home, he led an active social life with his wife, and they both appeared to enjoy each other's company when seen in public. On Sundays, the family would be seen dining together at a local pizzeria. He and his wife would occasionally take square dancing classes with other couples who boasted of the husband and wife's happiness. Neighbors recalled the four Ligonesse children running and laughing in the yard with the family's Labradors. Their home was also the popular and welcoming location where Agnes would serve snacks to friends her children invited over after school. The family appeared normal and happy, but appearances can be deceiving. One day, Relatives and close friends of the Dupont de Ligonnès family received a letter from Xavier explaining he was an undercover agent for the U.S. Drug Enforcement Agency and they needed to move away to an undisclosed location under the Witness Protection Program. Needless to say, everyone was shocked by this letter. They knew Xavier was gone a lot for work but no one knew he had ties to undercover police or DEA agents in the United States. Then Xavier sent a mysterious email prompting authorities to get involved and investigate the family's disappearance. When neighbors complained of a foul odor coming from the DuPont de Ligonnès house. On April 21st, 2011, Agnes, Arthur, Thomas, Anne, and Benoit were all found dead, individually wrapped up in sleeping bags and buried under the patio in the backyard. Officers expected to find the father's body somewhere near the crime scene, but soon they learned he was alive and well. Credit card records revealed he was staying at a lavish hotel in southern France. Less than two weeks after Xavier's family was discovered, his Citroen C5 was found near a cheap hotel almost 700 miles away from Nantes, near the French Rivera. Then he just vanished. Welcome to another episode of Crimson Sin with Tamsin Lee. I am your host, Tamsin Lee. Full show notes and sources can be found in the description. Today's case is a very intriguing mystery. The Xavier Dupont de Ligonnès murders is a case that has captivated the world with its chilling details and unanswered questions. It remains one of the most intriguing mysteries in recent history. 
In April 2011, French authorities discovered the bodies of Dupont de Ligonnès's wife and four children, buried in the backyard of their home in Nantes, while Xavier was nowhere to be found, sparking a massive manhunt that would span across Europe. As more information surfaced about Xavier's past and his possible motives for committing such a heinous crime, the public became increasingly fascinated by this enigmatic figure. Xavier was raised in Versailles and at an early age he showed he was not entirely happy with the Catholic Church. His mother was very religious and was unable to convince her son to embrace the devout Catholic life she had. Still, he regularly attended Mass and dutifully went to catechism classes as a child. But he did not share the same enthusiasm as his mother for the religion. Xavier would later express his dissatisfaction with the religion not long before his family was murdered. While he was not particularly religious, some elements of the Catholic faith intrigued him in adulthood. One post to the popular forum appeared to vaguely foretell the gruesome acts he was going to take. Xavier described how he was repulsed, yet captivated by certain morbid aspects of the Catholic religion. In particular, he was fascinated by the concept of sacrificial rite ceremonies. Xavier's father was not known to be very religious, however, he was known for being a playboy. He left the family when Xavier was 10, heading for Africa. His father would temporarily keep in touch with Xavier by sending him occasional letters, but they very rarely reconnected in person. For Xavier's 18th birthday, his father bought him a vintage Triumph Spitfire sports car. He would proudly drive around the streets of Versailles in his new toy that daddy bought him. The very same year after receiving this gift, he met his wife Agnes. However, the pair would go their separate ways and Xavier entered the army for a year. It was mandatory for young Frenchmen to join the army at this time, but Xavier was also obligated to join right out of high school because his father did not pay for his university studies. After leaving the army, Xavier would go through a series of low-skill jobs. In 1984, at 23 years old, he was unemployed and alone in the VAR region of France. He would eventually move back in with his mother in Versailles, where he became involved with Agnes again. When they reconnected, he learned Agnes had a baby named Arthur, whom Xavier later adopted. Eventually, the two married and left Versailles. Being married and having a family did not provide Xavier with the motivation to change his professional situation. The family settled in the Ardeci region in the southeast of France in 1983. Xavier worked in a garden supply shop for three years, which was his longest period of employment. But after that job, Xavier would move his family 
He would move his family to different towns after working after a while, collecting unemployment and then moving on again. The family lived in several towns in southeast France. During this time, Agnes gave birth to Thomas, Anne, and Benoit. The family made their way to western France in 2002 before settling down in the house in Nantes in 2003. The reason the family moved to Nantes was for Xavier's professional ambitions. He stopped working at low-skilled jobs and began a business called Cellref, a company that audited the quality of services that different hotels offered business travelers. Xavier would pose as a guest in a variety of different French hotels and report back to his clients about the locations. This was necessary for businesses that held off-site seminars or sent executives to France for business conferences. So he was now his own boss and had established a small business that was making modest revenue. However, Xavier's business never made a profit. The business also accumulated a lot of debts. With creditors knocking on the door, with court orders demanding tens of thousands of euros. Agnes held down a few jobs while the family lived at Nantes, but the pay was a far cry from what they desired. The family lived beyond their means, with their clothes, cars, and private school expenditures. Agnes was a babysitter for a while, then a school assistant. She also inherited 80,000 euros, but that immediately disappeared into Xavier's business affairs. Needless to say, Agnes was a very unhappy woman. She was left alone a lot of the time to drive the kids to activities and doctor's appointments, all while struggling to pay the bills with overextended credit. She would find comfort in online forums where she discusses the family's financial strains. In a popular French forum that was devoted to health and well-being topics, Agnes would pour her heart and soul into these forums about just how unhappy she was. While her husband's unsuccessful career was a problem, what really seemed to trouble her the most was the problems that arose in their marriage. She complained her husband was a workaholic who was gone on business a lot and how difficult he was to live with when he was home. Agnes described her husband as too critical, cold, and rigid, and tried to lord over the household like a military drill sergeant. She continued to write that when Xavier was home, he would lock himself up in the basement, which was his home office. When he wasn't in his office, he hardly spoke of anything other than how overworked he was or about his business projects. One horrifying post she wrote stated that Xavier spoke of how it would not be a tragedy if the entire family were to die. Agnes had written of the conversation where her husband stated, If we all die all at once, then everything would be over. We would no longer miss anything. While Agnes found solace in online forums, Xavier sought comfort in the arms of another woman, whom he had dated in high school. 
The woman who remains anonymous for her safety is a successful businesswoman and loaned Xavier 50,000 euros for another one of his doomed business ventures. Only a few months after receiving the loan, Xavier was asking for money again. He sent his mistress an email asking her for more money and was all around desperate. In the email, he offered an explanation as to what happened to the 50,000 euros she had loaned him and why he needed to borrow more money. But in the first lines of the message before going into asking for more money, Xavier awkwardly wrote to his girlfriend, Before anything else, I would love for you to understand what is going on inside my head. I want you to know what really inspires me and I don't want you to take me for a manipulator, a con artist, or a hypocrite, nor for a liar or a crook. Obviously, he was setting the stage to refrain his mistress from thinking negatively about him. He then explained how he lost the money she had loaned him. His business plan was to buy and resell coupons for free drinks. However, he did not specify who he was selling these to, nor did he tell her how much they cost. Xavier further explained that this plan once had the potential to generate tens of thousands of euros per day in profits, and explained that a recent cut in the French sales tax had ruined his plans. He also implied he was having trouble with the French government's fraud prevention agency, but did not go into detail about this issue. He then lamented his woes, writing, I am in financial ruin and at the end of my rope, like I have never been before. Xavier then explained he was four months behind on rent, couldn't pay for his son's school tuition, and his car broke down. Continuing his financial situation, he told his mistress he had to borrow money that he needed to pay back from his mother to buy his children Christmas gifts, and that he was being harassed by tax authorities for money he owed in social taxes. The family was expected to be evicted from their home at the end of winter, as French eviction laws forbid foreclosures or evictions during the winter months. But his lamenting didn't end there, as he furthered he only had 500 euros to pay for food until the end of the month. Xavier then explained that he needed 15,000 euros within 15 business days to keep the family functioning and 10,000 euros so that his business scheme could work. Then the email took a haunting turn as Xavier wrote, I don't sleep anymore and lay awake with morbid ideas such as burning down the house after giving everyone sleeping pills, or throwing myself under a truck so that Agnes would get 600,000 euros. I have an anxiety attack every day when I first wake up in the morning that sometimes lasts until noon, to the point that I have trouble breathing and suffer from heart palpitations. But apparently Xavier's mistress was not moved by his pleas for help because she quickly broke off the relationship and began legal proceedings to recover the money she had loaned him. After the murder of Xavier's family, his mistress received one more email from her scorned lover. 
Authorities did not disclose the contents of the message, however, they did divulge that it contained both direct and indirect threats, and even stated she would live in hell on earth for the next 30 years. When she received this email, she immediately went to the police and told them everything she knew about Xavier Dupont de Ligonnès. With all of these financial issues and odd death statements from Xavier, I think we can safely assume he was the culprit in the murders, but there are plenty of theories, so just stick around to the end of the episode because there are so many interesting theories about this case. So what led up to these murders? A few odd and indescribable occurrences happened before the murders took place. The children's school received a final payment settlement, and Xavier called his wife's employer to enform them she was suffering from gastroenteritis. Two days later, her employer received a text message stating Agnes was hospitalized and could not be contacted by phone. Then the next week, her employer received a letter supposedly from Agnes terminating her employment, stating that she was following her husband to the United States. The Dupont de Ligonnès home was partially emptied, and a sign on the letterbox stated, Return all mail to sender. Thank you. Xavier would also purchase cement, a shovel, and a hoe. On March 12, 2011, Xavier would purchase rifle bullets. Between March 26th and April 1st, he visited a shooting range four times, obtaining a firearms license on February 2nd. Thomas and Benoit started learning how to shoot at this time, while Arthur was scheduled to start learning also. In late March, Xavier drove roughly three and a half hours away to a DIY store to purchase a roll of large trash can liners and a box of adhesive plastic paving slabs. On April 1st, the eldest child, Arthur, left the college he was studying at. He also did not show up at the pizzeria where he worked and did not show up to pick up his paycheck. Something that surprised his boss because Arthur was always there to pick up his check on the first of the month. On April 2nd, Xavier bought four bags of lime from different stores in the Nantes area. The following day, a neighbor claimed to have seen Agnes still alive, however stated that afterwards he witnessed Xavier putting large bags into his car. At 10.37pm, Xavier left a voicemail on his sister's phone stating, We spent our Sunday evening in the cinema together, then in a restaurant, and we've just got back. I'm just calling to ask if it's too late to speak to you on the phone, and now I see it's gone to voicemail. Anyway, sending you my love. If it's not too late, call me back or send me a text and I'll call you, okay? I'm going to put kids to bed. Say hi to everyone. See you soon. Maybe. It is reported that Anne and Benoit did not show up for school on April 4th, citing illness as their excuse. The children's friends became concerned when they were unable to contact them and remembered rumors about their father having been offered a job in Australia. This sounded suspicious to the kids, since Anne and Benoit did not inform them they were leaving. 
However, they still tried to get in touch with them online and through text. That very day, Xavier spoke with his sister, Christine, whom he had left a voicemail to the night before. He spoke to his sister for about 20 to 30 minutes. She reported that everything seemed normal. Later that evening at 9, Xavier and his son Thomas dined at a high-end restaurant. The two waiters who served the family and son remember Thomas feeling unwell near the end of their meal and that the two barely spoke to each other while eating. On Tuesday, April 5th, a debt collector came to the DuPont de Ligonesse home to recover 20,000 euros, but no one answered the door. Investigators believe that Xavier murdered his wife and three of his children on the night of April 3rd to April 4th, then murdered his son Thomas on the evening of April 5th. But there are conflicting claims as the family's neighbors dispute when Agnes died and also the children's friends dispute when the children actually died. The neighbors claimed to have seen the mother in front of her house on April 5th, around 12.15 or 12.30, and to have seen her again on April 7th. She was also said to have been spotted by an employee at a hair salon near the family home. A friend of Thomas's confirmed to authorities that he had spent Tuesday afternoon with him at a friend's home. Thomas had planned on staying the night at his friend's house, but Xavier phoned his son asking him to return to Nantes because his mother was involved in a cycling accident. He quickly ate with his friend, then took a train home at around 10 p.m. The friend tried getting in touch with Thomas the next day, but would only receive quick, short responses in return, such as, not coming to yours, I'm ill, and really ill, I'm not coming to class. Two days after this, his friend received a text. I'm out of battery. My dad's looking for a new charger. This was the last time his friend heard from him. Thomas's ex-girlfriend kept in touch with him and stated that the last time she spoke to him was through Facebook on the day his mother supposedly got in a cycling accident. During this week, neighbors reported hearing the family dogs howling for two nights, and then they never heard the dogs again. On Wednesday, April 6th, Arthur's girlfriend was concerned about him since she hadn't heard from him. So she went to the family home and knocked at the door. She stated that a light was on on the first floor, but the family's two dogs didn't bark when she knocked. The next day, several witnesses came forward claiming to have seen Agnes alive. A neighbor also claimed to have seen Agnes walking her dog and briefly spoke to her. Other neighbors also reported seeing Xavier making several return trips from the house to the car, loading it up with large bags. On Friday, April 8th, Xavier wrote on the Catholic online forum he also sent an email to his brother-in-law as well as his mother and sister. On Monday, April 11th, Anne and Bonoy's school received a letter signed by Xavier stating that the children would be leaving the school 
as the family would be moving to Australia due to urgent professional changes. The Catholic school where Agnes worked received a resignation letter signed by Agnes and the headmaster was unable to reach her by telephone. A typed, unsigned letter dated for April 11th was also sent to Xavier's immediate family, explaining that after working covertly for the American DEA, the entire family had to relocate to the United States as part of a federal witness protection program, and that no one will be able to contact them for a few years. In the letter, he further told his family to circulate reports on social media that the family moved to Australia. However, there is no proof that this letter was actually written by Xavier. On April 11th to the 12th, Xavier spends the night at an upscale hotel in South France, paying for the room by credit card. The following night, he spent the night at another hotel in southeastern France under the false name Mr. Laurent Xavier, also paying for his stay by credit card. By Wednesday, April 13th, the family's neighbors in Nantes become concerned and contact the authorities. Their concerns stemmed from the house's shutters being closed for more than a week and Agnes's car being parked outside on the street the entire time. From the 13th to 14th, Xavier spends the night at another hotel in southeastern France. He had lived in the town in the 1980s and contacted a former girlfriend that evening. He stays at another hotel in the same town on April 14th, but he withdrew 30 euros from an ATM where he is captured by a surveillance camera. On April 15th, Xavier checks out of this hotel, abandoning his car. On the 19th, an investigation is opened into the family and revealed Xavier's purchases of the DIY materials. By the 21st, a wanted notice is issued for the entire family. But during the day, authorities discover the remains of Agnes and the four children and the family's two dogs under the patio in the backyard. During the night of April 21st to 22nd, Xavier's vehicle is discovered. According to the autopsies performed on the victims on April 22nd, all of them were drugged and then shot with a 22 long rifle as they slept. A weapon that Xavier inherited from his father three weeks before the murders. But the speed at which the autopsies were conducted, paired with the relatives being advised not to view the bodies, led many of Xavier's relatives to believe that the bodies recovered are not those of Agnes and their children. An international arrest warrant was also issued to locate Xavier Dupont de Ligonesse. On April 28th, the family's funeral was held at 2.30 p.m. with 1,400 people in attendance, and a significant amount of security was provided for the event. The family requested a simple ceremony with no flowers or wreaths. After the funeral, the bodies were cremated and buried on Saturday, April 30th. During the time Xavier was in the VAR region, where he contacted his former girlfriend, 
The body of a 50-year-old woman named Colette de Rome was discovered under a pile of rocks. Authorities have not provided the public with a lot of details regarding her murder, but do believe that there could be a link between her murder and Xavier. If Xavier knew Colette, I was not able to find anything in my research to suggest such a thing, but it is possible since the family lived in that region in 2003. But again, investigators have not publicly disclosed direct evidence linking Xavier to the crime. It is just a theory that he may have participated in some way in her murder because he was known to be in the area at that time. During the weeks after the murder, Xavier's wanted poster was everywhere. It was on trees, signposts, walls around hundreds of villages. This caused panic to rise with residents fearing that there was this mad serial killer on the loose. So the authorities had to extinguish that fire before it got out of hand. The murders and Xavier's disappearance have been a mystery for the past 13 years and still captivates the world to this day. But how was he able to continually elude authorities? There are many theories about Xavier Dupont de Ligonesse's disappearance. One of the popular theories is that Xavier was killed by the murderer. This theory could be probable because Xavier did have a lot of financial issues. Therefore, he could have owed money to some powerful people, you know, like a loan shark or something. However, some point out flaws in this theory because why would his body be missing? Also, there was no evidence found in the home to suggest anyone else was in the house. But if we're going to go with the loan shark theory, I mean, his body would be missing because they probably want to torture him. I mean, I don't know. But others suggest that Xavier is simply hiding. This is based off of Xavier's relatives receiving a letter stating that he moved to Australia after the murders, as well as the 900 reported sightings of him. Another theory is that Xavier joined a monastery. Investigators even searched monasteries as there was a reported sighting of Xavier there. However, the search was fruitless. Another common theory is that he ended his life. It is generally accepted that Xavier Dupont de Ligonesse most likely killed his wife and children, but some believe he didn't do this to himself and fleed the country to live guilt and family free. Instead, some believe that he ended his life after killing his family. And again, his body was never found. Another popular belief is that he died under a different name. This is probably the most realistic answer for Xavier Dupont de Ligonesse being dead, but not after killing himself or getting murdered. So this theory it suggests that Xavier made a run for it and possibly even got away for a while. But because he's never been found suggests he's no longer out there. Wherever he went, it's possible he died and was buried under whatever name he was using at the time. And if that's what happened, then chances are he would never be found anyway. Another interesting thing about Xavier is that he created NetSurf Concept LLC, a company that was recorded on the commercial register in Florida, United States. 
His advisor was Gerard Corona, who was a French immigrant and manager of the company Strategy Netcom. He specializes in assisting foreigners with administrative and legal procedures in the United States, as well as help his clients to open foreign bank accounts and obtain anonymous bank cards, allowing them to withdraw money anywhere in the world without leaving a trace. So it has been a theory that Xavier could have used these services in order to disappear. Another very interesting thing I found was that in mid-July 2015, a not-journalist received a photograph. The picture shows two of the Dupont de Ligonnès children, Arthur, the oldest, and Benoit, the youngest, sitting at a kitchen table. On the back of the photograph was a handwritten note stating, I'm still alive. It is a troubling mystery which brings many questions to light. So what did you think of today's case? Do you think the mystery will ever be solved? Why weren't relatives allowed to view the bodies? Does that spark more flames to the theories? Let me know your thoughts in the comments. Don't forget to like and follow for more bizarre crime stories. Thank you for listening and your support. Stay safe and I will see you for the next episode. Bye.